Hey, what's up? This is Matt from D-Cracks and you are listening to Le Dummy Room. What's up, guys? Dummy Room Punk Rock Podcast, episode 150. I'm your host, Nate. Hope everyone is is awesome tonight. This week, we reach a, a sort of a milestone number for the show, but uh, we're not going to be overly uh, celebratory, but I did want to get an extra special guest for the occasion. It's long, long, long overdue of the final member of Teenage Bottle Rocket being on the Dummy Room. Here he is, Miguel Chen. How's it going, dude? Good. Did you, everybody else did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last but not least, I like to think we maybe we started at the bottom with Chuka. Yeah, save the best for last. <laughs> nah, it's just the way it worked out, man. But, uh, <laughs> dude, it's it's awesome you're here. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. How you been? Uh, weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> of course, just, man. Just like everybody else. I, I, I shit you not, like March... 15th last year i was i was walking my dogs around the neighborhood my neighborhoods are really like everybody's out walking dogs or kids or whatever all the fucking time and uh it was like march 15th i'm walking and some guy's like hey how you doing and it's just like weird and he said yeah and we just both kept walking our own ways you seem like um you seem like the kind of guy that would be uh better equipped to deal with quarantine than say someone like me just like mentally able to cope a little better i mean i'll say like i have a lot of tools at my disposal and a lot of stuff i've been working with for many years but uh at this point it's it's definitely tested you know even even my mental fortitude i think i think (laughs) yeah Hey, when you started doing like meditation and yoga, was that hard for you to like find the time when you're on the road? Like, you know, you can't just, you need a quiet place, right? Totally. You know, a lot of it was kind of figuring out the hotel room situation. So like Bottle Rocket, historically, we always get two hotel rooms each night. Okay. And... Now it's like very clearly defined like the quiet room and the party room. (laughs) But like back then it wasn't as much. So kind of had to fight for that a little bit. And then there's also just like everybody in their own little mannerisms or whatever. So like Ray, I mean, he'll joke about himself, but like he's fucking loud in the mornings. Like he just wakes up and like just starts (laughs) making like loud noises or whatever. So, you know, when possible. I prefer to to room with Cody, who's just kind of quiet. Cody's usually, if I'm in a room with Cody, he sleeps the entire time while I get all my practices done. So that's nice. So Ray's the biggest dick to deal with with that shit. Uh, I mean, it's definitely not that he's an asshole. It's just like, <laughs> it's just that he's like, first thing in the morning, he's just like, ah. You know, but I love Ray. You know, he's my best friend. So that's cool. That's cool. Now, I just imagine that it'd just be hard to, you know, make three other guys or four other guys be quiet for you. You know, like how the fuck do you do that? Totally. And a lot of times, honestly, a lot of times these days, I end up uh, sharing a room with our uh, roadie uh, Rudy, and like Rudy's fully bottom of the totem pole, like. Hey man, shut up. And he's like so nice, you know. He's just like scared to be in the way, even though he's been our buddy for so long. But yeah, I figured it out. So hey man, before we get too far into anything, um, you wanna help me debut a song? Totally. You know Neon Bone, right? Of course. I do know Neon Bone. Um 
Neon Bone has a song called Without You that uh, has always kind of been like me and my wife's song or whatever. So when we got married, our first song was uh, Carpenter's like Close to You because connection to my mom or something weird. But anyway, we're punks. So the second song had to be a punk song. <laughs> and and we used uh, Neon Bone Without You was our second song played at our wedding. It's fucking awesome, man. That's a cool wedding song. That's a great song. guys ever play shows with them i don't think like if we did it was probably before i knew what was up like i think we've played with almost every pop punk band in the world <laughs> at this point yeah. and like you play with a lot of them that's kind of like well bless your heart or whatever good good for you for having fun and but you know a lot of not necessarily the best bands so but sometimes, every once in a while, we play with a band that's like, holy fucking shit, these guys are awesome. So hard to keep track, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine, man. Um, so Lars sent over, um, he sent over a new song from a new 7-inch coming out. I think it's coming out in June on a label in maybe Spain called Jarama 45. One thing I love about Neon Bone is they're like Teenage Bottle Rocket, dude. It, you know what you're going to get, right? You're never really disappointed. Totally. Anyways, here's a new tune from it. Let's check it out.
there you go, man. What do you think? It's great. I like Neon Bone. I even kind of like that name. Like, I don't really know what it means, but it's a cool band name. Kind of gives you a feel for what it is in a weird way. Can you imagine being that guy? Like, like being able to, to do that? He does it all himself. It, I mean, you know, some people work best uh, by themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, you guys, like Teenage Bottle Rocket, you're in Texas. You know, there's Colorado, Wyoming, Canada. It's, like, not easy to get together and and, and practice or just do whatever. So, oh, I don't think we I practiced, mean, that's... like, even before that. Like, even when we all <laughs> still lived in, like, Wyoming, like, practice was a rare thing. When you guys get together, you know, before a tour, do you guys do any kind of practice at all? Or does it just hit the road? Uh, usually we kind of look at shows one and two as practice. If, if you see us on night one or two of tour, um, you know, forgive us. <laughs> but if you see us night three or later, like, we're, we're usually kind of on our shit, so. That's cool. You guys have been, like, the flagship of the scene for, I don't know, a good decade you know, consistently putting out great records and touring. So I ask this knowing you have two kids at home and your wife, so that's obviously where your priorities are. But how fucking hard was it for the last year to not be playing shows? I mean, it was brutal in, I'll say, like, you know, traveling with my best friends and playing music is is my favorite thing to do besides, like, being a dad and a husband. But, like, it, it feeds my fucking soul. Like, I feel like that's why I'm on this planet is to, to kind of spread joy in, in that way. Like, that's my little corner of the world. And so being cut off from, you know, my best friends, even though me and Ray talk on the phone almost every day and, like, just not getting to play and, and that that sort of energy I get from that has been terribly fucking depressing but you know the the other side of it and unfortunately like it sucks to say but like uh financially it fucking sucks (laughs) like you know you you spend your whole life kind of building your punk band to a certain level and you're like oh holy shit i can i can pay my mortgage or whatever with my punk band how crazy is that (laughs) And and then all of a sudden you know got two small kids and it's like, oh, shit, I don't have the majority of my income coming in anymore. Yeah. What am I going to And when, when this all started, you know, it was like we thought we were just postponing tours for two or three months. And that was a little stressful. So you can imagine like 14 months in or whatever. But, you know, we're, we're getting by and, and it hasn't been all bad. Like, clearly there's been a lot of extra time with my wife and kids. And, um, you know, my son was born last September and in the first like eight months of his life, I've, I've definitely gotten to spend a lot more time with him than I got to spend with Olivia in the first eight months of her life. So I'm kind of like a spiritual guy or whatever. And I'm, I'm always looking for a purpose or a meaning or, and, and I'm trying to see that, uh, all the hardships and challenges about this, that there's a, that there's a reason for it and that there's a lot of, a lot of good and a lot of things to be grateful for. You know, I think the benefit that most people have had is just being around their kids more. You know, that's probably like the only good thing I can think of that's come out of any of this. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of really relevant to that. I mean, first I'll say, Sometimes it's nice to have a little break from your kids, but, um, <laughs> but I know. No, but really, like, first I'll say, yeah, absolutely. More time with your families is like a fucking awesome thing, but uh, also just this sort of forced slowdown in a lot of ways. I think that most of us, and definitely myself included, have a tendency to be doing way too much shit at the same time and never really like slowing down and appreciating the kind of small, really awesome things that every day has to offer. So being forced to slow down a bit in that aspect has been really uh, nice. Do you think that when you guys are able to go back out and start playing shows, do you think it's going to just be a, like a, a, like a rebirth of energy from everybody? Cause not just because they haven't, seen you or been to shows in a year but just because 
I think people will just realize that this shit, shit can end at any time. Two months from now, we might not be able to do this anymore. So do you think like it's just going to be like that much more special and that much more just energetic? There is definitely a sense of appreciation and I can, I can kind of liken it in a weird way to like death. And the things I've learned from having people really close to me die is this idea, like it's, it's going to happen to all of us and, and all the things that we love are going to go away and all the people we love are going to go away. And so the only, the only sane rational thing is to enjoy things while they're here because someday we're going to have to let go. And so I think that there's going to be a deepened appreciation for live music in that aspect for sure so like let me ask you when you you grew up in laramie right i did obviously i I, like bottle rocket's been around so long and you've been in the band so long that i tend to forget that you weren't always in the band but do you remember like growing up wanting to play with those guys like ray and brandon absolutely like they were in a band you know they're a little older than me and so they were in a band called homeless wonders yeah, and it was like this legend in Laramie amongst like the junior high and high school punks. It's like holy shit, these guys go on tour and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, and after that had to have been a big deal though, right? For like kids in Wyoming who oh, it was totally a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that's cool. And after like my mom and my sister died, like Ray and Brandon really kind of like took me under their wing and and really treated me like a little brother, and so. I remember I, I was 16 years old and Brandon was hanging out and he's like, yo, Homeless Wonders out, Teenage Bottle Rocket in. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I didn't understand what it meant, but yeah, so I, I was like there from day one. The first copy of Another Way from that got sold at the local skate shop, Action Ball, like I was there. I, I had the first copy of that wax and... And I think it was always kind of like right at first when the band started. I probably would have been in the band, except I was 16 years old. And like these, <laughs> these guys were going on tour and playing a lot of bars. And, you know, I couldn't just fucking leave high school to, to do that at the time. So it was really like the second I turned 21, I was in the band. And for the for a few years before that I was just like around. Like I'd go on tour with them, I'd drive, I'd sell T shirts, whatever. But uh yeah. Really the day I turned twenty one, it was like, All right, you're in. Like I know it was a big deal for you because of because of Ray and Brandon, but it must have been a fucking huge deal because Cody was in the band and of course he's Cody's he was already a legend at that time, but he had to have been like something entirely different in in wyoming oh fucking absolutely like i remember um god what's the no effects record pop up the valium i remember opening up the insert to that and there was a willington sticker and and in the credits that mike said something like the lillington's rule and it was like holy fuck yeah because i met Bogie because of because of Brandon and Ray, you know, and like I like, I like the Willingtons, and but that was just the point where it's like, like Jesus Christ, you could really do this. You can really be from this fucking shithole state, or whatever. <laughs> and I say shithole yeah. lovingly. Like I love Wyoming, but you know, as a teenager, it's kind of a boring place to grow up. And the fact that Cody was from Newcastle, which. Laramie compared to Newcastle is fucking New York City, you know? Like, <laughs> Newcastle is like really nothing, nothing. It's fucking, there's like 3,000 people. There's barely a Taco John's. I don't even think there's a Taco John's anymore. <laughs> like, so it was really a big deal seeing you can be from anywhere and, and you can actually have a good go at this. And so when I joined, like, when I finally was a member of the band I just I had this feeling like anything on earth was possible and we've done so many fucking crazy things since then like it just keeps feeding that uh that belief I don't want to change the subject here but is Taco John's based out of Wyoming it is it was founded in Cheyenne Wyoming I seen a a few years ago a couple years ago Cody and Tim got some Taco John's tattoos 
Yeah. <laughs> and did they get did they get anything for that? I've always wondered that. I just thought of it though. I have no idea, honestly. Free time. Do, do you have Taco John's in Wisconsin? Oh yeah, dude. That's around here. That's that's the place. Yeah, we don't have it in Texas, like. But I mean, it doesn't fucking matter, like. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you got Mexico and then Texas and California. And, like, that's the best fucking tacos in the world. But, like, there's every once in a while where I'm kind of like, a little bit could go for Taco John's. You like the Olay's? Potato Olay's? I do like the Olay's. Those are good. Yeah, man. My parents are bakers. My brother went og rotten. I want to be a potato Olay. So we're, we're, uh, we're like a month or so removed from the, uh, the TBR live stream thing and dude i gotta say i thought it went pretty well for you i thought so too man i think it was a fucking smashing success and when we were putting this together and thinking about it we had a lot of like big lofty goals and, and we were like if we're gonna do this we want to make it really fucking awesome and we want to get a lot of people involved like kind of create jobs in whatever way we could for as many people as we could on the project, because, you know, there's a lot of like film people and audio people and venue staff who like yeah. us haven't gotten to work in a year. So we were like, how do we do this for, for the greater good? And, you know, we donated like our proceeds from our tip jar to the Fort Collins music association that's helping venues that are shut down. And so it was really important for us putting it together, that aspect of it, like, Let's let's help as many people as we can, but also like let's make this thing fucking awesome. And and it was like a roll of the dice, you know. You you do like a big production like that, you kind of have a high break even point. So we were kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well, we could just shit something out in our living room and probably you know keep costs down. But but what's the fucking point? Like if you're gonna do yeah. something, do it fucking awesome. And so that's what we did. And and all the feedback we got was like this is the best live stream we've seen. And, and so I think we're all really proud of, of the quality of the thing that we put out. And I think it kind of lines up with, with all the other stuff Bottle Rocket has tried to do or, or the legacy that we try to maintain, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love how everybody was kind of spotlighted in some way. TBR is, is pretty unique like that. Like all four of you guys... I don't want to say you have your own persona or anything, but it's it's like you all have like a presence that everybody knows. So I thought it was cool that you had your little thing with the family, you know, and and of course Sack played and uh, totally. Old Wives and then TBR it was like the whole family, everyone got to do their their own little thing, but at the end it all came together for for the big show and dude, it sounded good, it looked good. It was I think it was the best one. There was a lot of shitty streams, though, but this one, yeah, by far was the best one. I, I appreciate you saying that, man. And, you know, I think Descendants is, like, another band that's kind of like that. But, you know, there's there's plenty of bands where it's like, here's the lead singer, and that's just kind of all yeah. anyone knows. Where, like, Descendants, it's like Bill is just as well-known, if not more so, than Milo, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's another cool thing about our band is like just the way it's grown and, and all of our personalities are, are such a part of this thing. Um, I like it. How does that happen? I mean, did that, does that happen easily? Do you think for like, I, I know the Ramones, everybody knows those guys and, and the descendants and like classic screeching weasel lineup, you know, like everybody wants to hear from, you know, those guys. And it's the same with you guys. Like, but there's not very many bands where it's like everybody knows who the bass player of Bottle Rocket is, whereas, you know, most bands, it's just, it's the bass player. Totally. I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy how you do that. Like, however you guys did it, probably unintentionally, it's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. I think it just helps. I, I, it obviously helps your band because you guys are a bigger deal than most pop punk bands, but I think it just helps because, you know, you're, you're out promoing and doing podcasts and it's, it's not just the singer, you know. Totally. The whole thing, like the whole stream thing, kind of reminded me of like some like heavy metal band home video where they're like in the hotel room, they're fucking around, and then they're on stage. You know, it was kind of like that. You kind of got a little insight on how the band was, other than just the live shots, you know? Totally. That was very intentional. And I don't know. I think we're kind of entertaining like off stage 
too. So it's nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. it's nice to get to be like a little goofy or a little creative in in other ways. How hard was it though to like play a live show in front of nobody? It, I mean, like you film a video or something, and like you do that, but that's only for like one song. But to play a whole set, like it's got to be weird. I mean, honestly, a video is kind of worse because when you do a video, typically you have to do that all day long. So you're just like playing the one song over and over and over (laughs) and over in different angles. And so like when you're just plowing through a set like that, it's kind of easy to forget where you are and and what you're doing. So, So that was one very cool thing about it. And the other thing was like at that point, we really hadn't played together in so fucking long. Like it had been a year that like I would have played in the fucking Taco John's parking lot for... (laughs) <laughs> for Ray's mom and been happy to do that, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, man, like, what was your first band? That's the first question. But then, like, what was the band that kind of got you into punk rock? Obviously, Green Day, I think, is is an answer yeah, for yeah. a lot of people. But that was kind of the radio intro. But uh, really deeper than that was the kids who were a year or two older than me were, like, you know, skaters and, and they looked cool. And, and one kid had the no effect shirt that was like the tricks bunny, except it said no effects. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't fucking know what that means, but that's rad. <laughs> and so a buddy gave me a copy of heavy petting zoo, which is a weird first no effects record. But, uh, that kind of blew the fucking lid off. I was like, wait, what this, this exists. The first time I heard, I'm not a huge No Effects fan, but the first album I heard, I think it was Ribbed. I, I remember hearing that and be like, is this fucking real? Like, how do these guys play this shit? <laughs> what made you want to play bass? Or did you, I mean, like, from my town, I live in a small town too, but the bass player was always, like, the shittier guitar player. Whoever couldn't play guitar very well had to play bass. So, like, it wasn't really something you wanted to do. Yeah, that kind of happened. <laughs> it was, Badrag had a tour lined up. The old guitarist, Joel, like a month before tour, was like, yo, I can't go. And then it was like, okay, cool, you're out. Miguel's in. And it was really like... (laughs) Perfect. It was really like a band meeting, and it was like, do you want to play bass or guitar? And I was like, I think bass will be easier. So I said bass, and here we are. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to know where the the head-scratching thing came from when you're playing live. It just kind of fucking started happening, man, like... I don't, there was always kind of this like Frankenstein or monkey fucking thing. Like, you know, first my whole thing was like, just spread my fucking wide stance as far as I can and hit my strings as hard as I can. (laughs) And, and it kind of, you have to move a little when you're doing that. So I kind of developed this like weird Frankenstein sort of wobble from trying to move with my legs spread so far. And that just over the years kind of naturally evolved into like this inner fucking monkey persona <laughs> that comes out when I'm playing. I don't think about it much. It just kind of happens now. Now it's 
the original topic for the show is going to be we're going to talk about our favorite bass players. And I don't know if we should do that, but I want to know who are some of your favorite bass players. Of course, the legends, right? Didi. Totally. I mean, Didi fucking number one, just because he he just fucking showed the entire world like you don't have to fucking know how to play this thing. Just fucking hit it hard. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking hit it hard and go. And like that was everything, you know. But uh, I think Rob Wright from Handsome Brothers and, and No Means No oh, yeah. is fucking badass. Uh, Dude, that bass sound is crazy. It's so fucking. He's so good. <laughs> And he's on my list, by the way. He's on my list. So we're yeah. obviously Carl, you know, and I think Matt Freeman. And that's kind of everyone says that. But um, fucking Scott Schiffler from Face to Face. But those are kind of the like textbook answers, I think. <laughs> Who yeah. maybe not so textbooky. Um, I think Grant Matthews from uh, Rudimentary Pina is is a very kind of overlooked bass player. He's definitely one of those bass players where it's like nobody knows who he is. But uh, listen to, like, the EPs of RP, like old rudimentary peanut shit. His bass is fucking awesome. How about Master Genie, man? Mass is a good bass player too, man. And, <laughs> yeah. and also a very good guy. It's always, it's always a pleasure running into that guy. He's just such a, like... Bubbly's not the right word, but he's he's just happy. And I don't think that, uh, that most of us spend as much time being as happy as we could be. So I, I really like that about Mass. I think my favorite bass player, not I don't want to say he's not on a from a technical side of things, but just my favorite bass player is uh, fucking B-Face. B-Face is fucking cool. He just always comes to mind because he's just—he's got the name. He's got the—he's just a character, man. And he's—he played in one of the greatest bands ever on some of my favorite albums. So, that guy, for sure. And he's just a fucking cool dude too, man. Like, oh yeah, Chris's fucking art and just—he's got a look. He's just—he's got a vibe. He's a cool guy, and I'm always—I'm always definitely stoked if Beefface shows up. You know, cool dude. Cool bass player. B-Face rules. B-Face is the kind of guy, like, tell me about, like, the first time you met him, was it like, he walks in and you're like, holy shit, B-Face is at our show kind of thing? Like, to me, that would be a huge thing. I think it was more like, Cody's like, oh, hey, Miguel, you know B-Face? And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, and that's actually happened several times. Like, like it happened with fucking Dan Panic or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, man, you know Danny? And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Hey, man. You know, because Cody's, like, buddies with everybody from, from back in the day. So I remember, like, as, as far as we're kind of having those, like, oh, shit, stories. Uh, Reverend Norb from Boris the Sprinkler, first time, first time he showed up at a bottle rocket gig, I was kind of like, holy, hey. Hey, guy. <laughs> this guy's real. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you fucking weird, awesome <laughs> guy. Did you shake his hand and jump? Absolutely. He did exactly yeah. that. Yeah, sweet tarts? Was he eating sweet tarts? He probably was. <laughs> yeah, Panic is my Panic's the guy for me that made me I was never really a drummer. I tried, but My Brain Hurts was the album that really made me want to play drums. Yeah. And so that guy is just it's unbelievable the the how good he is. He's he's like my favorite dude. He's a very very good drummer. Um that that crew has had a few like really awesome drummers like Lumley, also a sick drummer. Um, all that Riverdale stuff. That last guy that was playing in that last incarnation of Screeching Weasel, Adam Cargan, also really good. Well, not the last incarnation. I don't, no, but... I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. But you know that incarnation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, you guys got some shows coming up later this year, right? Do. Let me ask you, did you, honestly now, did you think, like, when the shows, you know, when they were going to start rolling out again, did you think it was going to be like this? Or I kind of figured it'd be the smaller bar shows that would happen first and the, and the, and the larger festivals would kind of be off a bit just, just because of the crowd sizes. Honestly. But it seems like there's a bunch of festivals all of a sudden. I kind of assumed uh, punk rock was going to be the very last thing to come back. And <laughs> yeah. I... 
I assume like big stadium tours would be able to adapt with their like fucking hundred dollar tickets or whatever. Like, okay, we're just going to like put people in bubbles or whatever and fucking make shows happen. <laughs> I figured like our crew was like really the ones who were the most fucked. But, uh, you know, I, I think everything else is, is coming back faster than we think. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit like there's no one really who gets to decide like, okay, shows are back. So it's, it's kind of for all of us to sort of figure out like, okay, when do we feel safe? How do we do this? And like some people, people are going about it in really different ways. And I don't want to like, you know, be judgmental or, or have my nose up in the air. But I think that, uh, it's such a delicate, like weird fucking thing, unprecedented times. Nobody knows what's going on that we're seeing like really these two extremes emerging. And the one extreme is like, fuck you. I'm playing a show tonight. There's (laughs) fucking 3000 people and I don't fucking give a fuck. I do what I want. And then there's the, you're not allowed to fucking play shows ever again. Like as long as (laughs) COVID-19 is around, no shows. And if you fucking play a show, fuck you. And I think I like to believe that the majority of people are kind of in the middle of those two extremes. But if you look on social media, you wouldn't believe that that many people are in the middle because obviously the extremes are always the loudest people. But I think that there in the next month or two, there's, you know, in the U S everyone who wants a vaccine can get one. Like, we're all vaccinated already and us, you know, we just want to give everyone a chance to, to get their vaccine, but we, we got to get back at it. Venues got to get back at it. Uh, bar staff has to get back at it. Like so many people, you know, and that's just the one aspect. The other aspect is like, it's, it's more than just entertainment in some, on some level, like it's, it's life, it's, it's joy, it's purpose. And I think that not having that is, is making people kind of mentally ill in a weird way. I think it's important for this stuff to come back and to come back quickly. I just also think it's important to not just be all like, well, fuck you. We do what we want. About <laughs> it. Yeah. There's, there's a middle ground. And I think that a lot of us are trying to sort of define what that middle ground is for us and start moving forward. So what's the first show you guys are playing? Is it fast or you guys got something before that? When is this airing? Uh, next week, probably Monday, Monday, May 3rd. Okay. This, you got this will be, this will be out there anyway, but actually Monday, May 3rd, we're announcing a tour for June. Um, we're hitting Florida and a couple neighboring States and we, we've been talking with the label a lot and our publicist and our agent and, um, we're bringing make war along and we're just like, we want to be a shining example of how you can do this in a really safe, responsible manner. So we're calling it the safety first party second tour. And it's all about encouraging other people to get vaccinated and and to be safe and wear masks and, and to come together and to start sort of rebuilding, but in a, in a really mindful and, and safe manner. So um, that's our middle ground for now and and you know we've had a lot of like heart to hearts and a lot of like deep introspection into like when and how we think we can do this but uh yeah it's it's coming up for us and and you know we're we're definitely not the first band doing it (laughs) like there's there's been bands who just never stopped and we're definitely like well we don't want to be that either we don't like i said we're not the like fuck you we do whatever we want band we're mindful and and we care about our families and our fans and our health and each other but i think that you know there's there's going to be people a year from now who still don't feel safe there's going to be people five years or 10 years or, or 20 years and um it's it's just not realistic and and unfortunately it kind of seems like music and covid for the time being, or maybe forever, are going to have to learn how to coexist. And yeah, yeah. So we're here. We're we're trying our best to to start doing that. It seems like June. It seems like the vaccines rolled out really well. 
recently, so it seems like that's you know that's like a month and a half away yet or so. It seems like it'd be okay. Absolutely, like we're we're vaccinating so many fucking people per day that you know it was mandated by May first. All Americans have to have access to this vaccine, and it happened a month early. And so I'm really like, get the fucking vaccine. Like like if you want. If you want your life back, if you want music back, if you want to do it in a safe, mindful way and take care of each other and your loved ones, like that's the quickest, best bet that we all have. And here we go. So June, people can see TBR. You don't have to wait till I thought it was October. I thought it was fast. So um, you guys are playing fest this year, though. We are playing fest this year. Um, You like playing those? You like playing like the big fests? That kind of stuff, you you guys like that, or would you rather play a smaller? I like it just all. I totally like. The only ones I don't like are like when two people show up, but luckily, <laughs> yeah. that's like a very very rare occurrence these days. But like, I like club shows, I like theaters, I like festivals. Well, let me ask you, dude. When's the last time that two people showed up for a teenage bottle rocket show? Maybe like 2011 or 12, somewhere in there. Really, and it was. I think it was like a TBR Queers co-headlining <laughs> tour. And we played Lawrence, Kansas. And there was literally like two people there who were like, what the fucking fuck? Because <laughs> at that point in our career, like, we were doing great. So Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Have you been back to Lawrence, Kansas since? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking nuts, dude. So what's yeah. the biggest, what's the biggest fest you guys have played, or biggest show. I assume it's a fest, but... Biggest show actually wasn't a festival. It was, uh, we were on tour of support for Volbeat, and... Oh, that's right. I forget about that. I mean, that's we played, nuts. like, a lot of big <laughs> festivals in Europe, like 20,000 people or some shit like that, but this one particular show, they played in Denmark, Copenhagen, at, like, the fucking hockey arena, sold the fuck out, <laughs> and I want to say there was, like, 35 or 40,000 people there or something. It was like fucking ridiculous. And they were telling us like Miley Cyrus played there um, (laughs) a few nights before and sold less tickets. Like, holy shit. Those guys are so fucking massive over there. It's, it's crazy. How cool for them to, you know, take little old teenage bottle rocket from Wyoming out with them. Oh man. Those guys have always been like super sweet to us and, I honestly didn't really know anything about their band until someone was like, yo, Volby, thank you guys on their liner notes. And ever since then, the lead singer, Michael, has just been like such a fucking sweet guy to us. Um, yeah, what a rad dude. You're totally radical.
we've only played Argentina once, but like that was fucking crazy. Like I was like, is Buenos Aires our biggest city? Like how did that fucking happen? So we're <laughs> yeah. we're one of those bands like we really lucked out or or worked harder. I don't fucking know how it happened, but we can go almost anywhere on earth and have a pretty good show. Like we fucking That's went cool, to South dude. Africa a couple of years ago and had good shows. You know? Yeah. It's weird and cool. And I'm very appreciative. <laughs> Like, i very, very grateful. I forget, like, refresh me, my memory here, but Cody was on uh, just before um, the, the, the pandemic, and you guys were supposed to go somewhere, and I can't remember where it was. No, we were supposed to go to China. Was it in, China? Okay. In November of 2019. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and like our, there was something weird with our visas. We'd, like, just gotten back from South Africa, and that was such a sketchy, weird trip. And we were talking to Kent, who was like, no effect, his old manager. And he's like, that's crazy. You guys went to South Africa. I don't think anyone's done that since no effects. And we're like, yeah, no one has. I was like, we're going to China. And he's like, you're fucking going to China? I was like, well, it can't be more crazy than South Africa. And Kent was like, uh. (laughs) So when our visas started to get kind of weird, we're just like, let's just go to Japan we know it'll be good. It's always good. Let's go to Japan and come home. And so we ended up canceling that tour. And like, it was seriously fucking November of 2019. Like I'm, I'd have to like dig up an email, but I almost want to say we were supposed to play in Wuhan district somewhere. So like, really, we really Jeez. could have fucking, we really could have been fucking patient zero or, or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> damn. Yeah, like dodged a bullet. You got to feel like that a little bit, you know? Totally. Dodged the bullet, played it super safe, like locked <laughs> up, gave up our lives. Like was was the most careful I possibly could be and fucking still got COVID somehow. And, yeah. And here we are. Like it's, it's a weird thing. I remember like February of last year, you know, you were kind of hearing like whispers of coronavirus or whatever. And a friend of ours was like, yeah, they're saying basically everyone's going to get this. And I was like, huh, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. And we took a flight in February, and a couple of people had masks on. I was like, huh. And then like two fucking weeks later, just boom. Everything just shut down. Yeah. Yeah, but it's almost over, dude. Um, Bottle Rocket has kind of been around so long and like so many great albums I always say that Total's my favorite. Maybe that's just because of the first I heard and the impact it had on me, those those songs. But, you know, it's it's hard for me to choose a favorite now because they all have great, great songs on them. But what is your favorite Teenage Bottle Rocket album? I mean, we we were working on a record last year, so for me it's yeah. always the fucking new one. And I, I think <laughs> that's one? pretty that's pretty common with bands, like you're just stoked about oh, yeah. the newest thing. But uh if the new one's off the table because it's not off the table out there, I haven't heard it. I would, I would probably say Shadows just because that uh, era of our lives was like such a big, exciting, like, oh my god, like we're fucking doing it, like we're we're on tour with No Effects. We went to Japan for the first time, like, you know, we signed a Fat Records. I fucking I called my dad and cried when that, you know, like that was just such a big record and a big time in my life as far as like we had all these goals and dreams and, and we're accomplishing them. So um, that record holds a really special place for me. I think, I think my favorite is, I always say total, but I, I really think it's warning device. It seems like Ray's songs were like just fucking outstanding on that album and Cody's Cody's always outstanding, but you know what I mean? It felt like collectively it was like the best one, I don't know, a step above Total in a way. Totally. I think I think for a lot of people, you know, for most people, Total was... Actually, I don't know for most people. For a lot of people, Total was like <laughs> the first introduction. Like, it was the first time yeah. the band really kind of kicked in the door. And, you know, at that time, I was like slinging t-shirts. So I was watching this whole thing kind of happen and grow. And um, I think of Warning Device a little bit. Like, I think of uh, Green Day, Insomniac, and Dookie, where I'm like, Insomniac's a better record. It just, it kind of came on the tail end of Dookie, like a little too tight, so it didn't quite get as much fanfare as Dookie did. And, and I think the same kind of 
I kind of feel the same about warning device, like, and not just because I'm on it and I wasn't on total, but I think, <laughs> I think like our, our sound or whatever together was, was really gelling a lot more by the time warning device hit. And, and yeah, there's like some good fucking songs on that record. Like I remember hearing those songs for the first time and be like, holy shit, like people are going to fucking love this record. So it's got my favorite Ray song on there for sure. She's not the one. She's not the one. Oh, oh, oh. 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 love that one dude that's a big uh that's a big hit in italy the italians really seem to love that song wonder why that is i think it's just they know all the words <laughs> that's pretty easy to sing huh let me ask you about the new album then i can't tell you very much <laughs> i know you can't but you'll tell me everything off the record i'm sure just kidding um <laughs> can you tell me is it coming out this year yes or no maybe Yes. Awesome. That's cool. Do we know the colors on the album artwork? We know the colors, but I can't tell you. Damn it. It's funny, though, that like, you don't even <laughs> bother to ask, like, what's the artwork or, like, is it going to be different? Because <laughs> we all fucking know it never will be, right? It better not be, man. At this point, it'd be a disappointment. Is Milo on the album? I think so. That's kind of expected, I think, at this point. It's cute, you know? It's yeah. cool. Um, and... The most important thing is, did you write anything on this one? I did. I've got, I think I, I've got three tunes that made it on this record. Holy shit, because the last record, dude, and I'm not just kissing your ass, I've said it on an earlier episode, you wrote the best song on the last record. <laughs> Thank you. You wrote, like, I, the only love song. I'm a love song guy, and it was, like, the only one. And I, I didn't know it was you at first. I thought it was Cody because Cody sang it, you know, but it's like, how the fuck did Miguel write a Cody caliber song <laughs> that if you said it was a Cody song, nobody would doubt it. Totally. So loved it, dude. Great song. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm really excited now that you got three on there. That's cool. I'm, I'm super stoked too. You know, we, we showed up with more songs than we ended up using and we just kind of talked it out as a band. Like what are the best songs? And I had three make it. That's great, dude. New album this year. We don't know the colors. Milo's on it, and you wrote some hits. I'm excited, dude. Fuck yeah. I assume it's on fat, right? <clears throat> it is. I, I can tell you that. Awesome. I'm happy. Me too, man. All right, Miguel, I won't keep you any longer. Um, thanks for doing this, dude. I, I really appreciate it when anybody takes the time away from kids and, and wives for, for this dumb little podcast. So appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it, too. And I mean, honestly, I conveniently had to miss 
bath time today. So yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you for, for the break. <laughs> I do all the baths at our house for the kids. I always did. You know, I don't, you know, just my little guy now, but it's always nice to miss one. Yeah. <laughs> it I just mean, never I, happens I definitely, me, I miss more than my wife for sure, but it's, it's still nice. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for, um, for this weekend. I might have a little, uh, little something for Mother's Day happening. Thanks to Miguel. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for all the likes, all that stuff. We'll see you guys in a few days or so. So, all right, take care. Hell yeah, thank you. Bye.